welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. Sunday night, we are going through Exodus. Open up your Bibles to the book of Exodus. We are going to be looking at a scripture this evening that I believe will speak to you. And it's one that when you, whenever you're a preacher, you have what you call great pressure to make everything about application. When I say application, is um, you have the Bible, which is a 2,000-plus-year-old book. And we live in 2021. And this is what you... Sometimes you'll see this at churches where churches that try to be contemporary, they try to be modern, they want to uh, try to, I don't know, blend in whatever words you want to use to describe it, they find themselves talking about more current events, current trends, and other things than what's most important. And what's most important is for us as believers, we come to worship, we come here not to find out what's cool and hip, but for God. We have, as I've always said, an audience of one. You're here for not for others. You're here for the Lord. You want to honor and you want to give your life and devote your life to Him. And this passage right here, we're going to see Moses is going to request that. He's going to ask more of God. Do you want more of God? You, there's such a, uh, such a desire as you're going through life for more, 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 more. Bigger house, more money, more family, more kids. It's just more animals, more vacations. I mean, you just, whatever you want, more and better. I mean, that's, our life is told everywhere we go, marketing. Even when I was buying that cake at Kroger for Miss Marguerite and Brother Herd this afternoon, you can, why get this size cake when you can get one for 33% more for just a few more dollars. I and mean, that's just, we are told this everywhere we go. More is better, and you need this, that, and beyond. And Jesus here, the Lord is going to speak to us, and He's saying, no, this, this longing for things, this desire for whatever you feel that is going to um, fill an empty hole, is, is not, it's not going to do it. Only God can give you the more of what you want. And that more is more of God. Moses is going to ask to see God. And then we're going we're gonna to look at this passage. And then we're going to look uh, later on in this message. We're going to flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to see how the Lord is actually called an unapproachable light. How, the, how God tells us we cannot see God face to face. Have you ever wondered what does God look like? What, 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 what would it be like to see God? So open up your Bibles here. We're going to see a glimpse of God from the crevice. Background information. Last Sunday, we talked about the golden calf. That's in Exodus chapter 32. Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments. The people, it says they have gotten out of control, totally out of control. They are worshiping a golden calf. Aaron couldn't control the people, the Israelites. They're doing idol worship. Moses takes the Ten Commandments, throws them down, breaks them, burns and grinds up the golden calf, makes the Israelites drink it. He's saying, you own this. This is on you. This golden calf that you made, which is a false idol. So then we get to chapter 33, and 
the previous chapter, God wanted to kill all His people that He had chosen, all the Israelites, and just make Moses a great nation. And Moses pleaded with God, saying, God, I just, just save these people. You redeemed them. You gave them a promise. These people are your people. And when we get to chapter 33 here, Moses is probably getting to a point where you probably reach a place in life where you almost feel like you've done everything. And that's probably where Moses feels like. He doesn't need anything. He's seen wickedness. He's gone through the Red Sea. He's witnessed the Lord's miracles. He's seen the disappointment of the people and the idolatry that they're committed. And he's just at the point where he's come to the realization and says, all I want now is God. I want to live for God. These people will let me down. I don't even know what they're going to do. I can't trust them. There's no, no clue what they're going to do. Lord, it's just me and you at this point. And when we get at that point, that's when you get a closeness with the, with the Lord that He becomes, as we're going to see in a little bit, an unapproachable light. But He's going to do something here. We don't see this in much in Scripture, at all in Scripture. When we think of God, we should think of the face of Jesus looking at God. But here, God is going to pass by Moses. But He couldn't just allow Him to be standing in front like any old man. He had to place Him in a crevice of a rock. He had to place him in a position so that he also, when he passed by, he had to cover Moses with his hand. And that only Moses from a small crevice, from a crack, could see the back of the Lord. That's all he could see. We do not know what God looks like. We know what Jesus looks like. Jesus is a man. Jesus is a picture, a human picture of God. But this here we're going to see is not Jesus. This is God the Father who the Bible says spoke to Moses face to face, and Moses is wanting to experience the glory of the Lord. And our question we're going to answer, are you desperate for, the, for God's presence or do you depend on yourself? What is it for you? Depending on yourself or are you desperate? And that's what Moses was. He was desperate at this point because he had had enough of these people. It's either going to be, God, I'm, it's all about you, or I'm just depending on myself. And not depending on myself, we get nowhere. Nothing happens. So I want you to pick up here. We're going to see about a glimpse of God from the crevice. Exodus 33, verse 7. Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp. Remember, they're wandering around in the middle of the desert, living in tents. At a distance from the camp, he called the tent of meeting. That's the tent of meeting is where they met with God. Tent of meeting was a portable. It uh, is basically where God told Moses what to do. It was a portable sanctuary, a portable church, because they were on the go. They had to wander around for 40 years. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the tent of meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. Maybe some of you grew up in a little town, and right there in your little town you had First Baptist Church, First Methodist Church, First Presbyterian Church, right there on the city square. I've lived in one of those towns before, 
and you have all the little central uh, central churches, and those would be your traditional more um, uh, churches that are very established, uh, kind of you know what to expect. But then on the outskirts of town, maybe just a mile or so outside the city, there would be a little uh, church maybe called Corinth Baptist Church or Spring Hill Baptist Church or Central Baptist Church. It's a, it's a country church just on the outskirts of town. And those, in many ways, would be your churches that you would, if you lived in the town, the city, you would hear about those churches on the outskirts. Many years ago, uh, I preached a revival in Bluntsville, Alabama, which is near Aniana, which is north of Birmingham. And it was that main church there, Bluntsville Baptist Church, right there in the main city. And I overheard a couple of the guys um, just complaining about this church that was just a couple of miles out in the sticks, as they called it, just out in some country road, uh, not in the main part of the town. And it was just on fire. Revival was happening. The city was going to it. And uh, God was really moving and working. And there was this attitude among those folks there that we're the downtown church. We're the place that you're supposed to come to and experience God. The tent of meeting. What, don't, don't miss this. You had the camp. This is what it was like with the Israelites. Then it said the tent of meeting wasn't in the middle of the camp. The tent of meeting was on the country church. It was that little outskirt place. Remember John the Baptist? He did not go to Jerusalem baptizing people. He did not go to the temple preaching. The man went in the middle of the desert, an obscure part of the Jordan River, and that's where Jesus was baptized. Jesus received the baptism at the Country Baptist Church. It's just out on the outskirts. And I think the picture we see here is God is not so much concerned to experience the glory of the Lord meeting at the tent of meeting. It's not about where we decide. It's not about saying this, this is the location. The Lord can work anywhere, even if it's out in the middle of nowhere. John the Baptist, considered the greatest preacher of all, according to Jesus, he preached on the outskirts of town. So the tent of meeting, it is, it is off the beaten path here, away from the camp. Verse 9, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. That's God spoke directly with Moses. Remember, this cloud would come. And that meant the presence of the Lord was meeting and giving Moses instructions on what to do. Verse 10, As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up, then bow and worship, each one at the door of his tent. The Lord would speak with Moses. Look at this. Face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Now, we know we didn't see Moses' face directly because the Bible's going to tell us. So when he says face to face, the cloud is talking to Moses. Moses is talking to this cloud and it's speaking back. And they're not speaking in a foreign language. They're not speaking in tongues. 
God speaks to you and I clearly. It's not a mystery to figure out the will of God. God doesn't use code language. He he doesn't use foreign language. He doesn't use pie-in-the-sky signs that you have to look for in the stars. God makes it very clear His will for you. He's given us the written Word. He's given us uh, the, the plan of salvation, the redemptive story of the Bible, of how He saves, how He works. When, when we are encounter things in our life, we know the moral law. We know how to respond because the Bible tells us. When we meet someone who is spiritually lost, someone who does not know Jesus, we know we need to tell them about the Lord. That's why we watched that video about the folks in Southeast Asia. These are lost people. Probably Muslims they're working with. Buddhists in Southeast Asia. They're spiritually lost. And God wants missionaries over there telling them about Jesus. That's not a mystery. God's plan for us is clear. God wants you to serve in this church. He wants you to give generously. He wants you to have a prayer life. He wants you to be active. He wants you here every time the doors are open. We live for the Lord. This is not something we have to figure out what we're doing. And it goes on to say here, verse 11. It says he's speaking with him face to face. I was with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. So Joshua would be right there with him the whole time. So Joshua's watching. Joshua's going to take the mantle from Moses later on. Moses is pouring his ministry and his life into this young man, discipling him, raising him up, so that when he goes to be with the Lord, Joshua is going to take over. So he knows what God has said. So we see a picture here of Moses regularly and eagerly speaking with the Lord. So now we're going to see this request that Moses is going to make. And you think of all the requests in the world, this one comes down to what God actually honors. He couldn't meet it completely, but He makes an accommodation. And I think the principle for us is when we come to God and we have a longing, a desire, He might not give us the full answer, but He gives us what I would call a glimpse of what He wants to do. Maybe you're looking to get married. Maybe you're looking for a new job. Maybe you want a healing from something you're dealing with. When I was meeting with Brother Hurd Marguerite hour and a half, two hours ago, Brother Hurd says, and Margaret, she spoke up too. She said, Dan, please let the church know. Please tell them. We appreciate and covet their prayers. They're asking for that. Because they're at the point, they don't need anything. They didn't need a cake. They don't need the cake. They, gave the, they wanted me to go bring it to the nurse's station. I said, no, I'll let you do that. I'm not going to give away your cake. We only had 10 minutes. <laughs> but the point is, they, they are at the point in their life and we all want to be at this point where they want God. That's all they need. They want the Lord. They want the Lord's healing. They want the Lord's presence. They want to experience the power of God in their life. It says here in God's Word, Moses said to the Lord, Look, 
Verse 12. You've told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know. You said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor with me. So, Moses at this point, I bet there's a matter of, I don't want to use the word frustration, but he's getting to the point where he's saying, okay, God, we are in the middle of the desert. We've got the camp right here, the tent of being right here. You come and talk to me in a cloud, which is the way we're doing things, whatever. You tell me what to say. I go tell the people what you say via the cloud. And then this is their mechanism for, for leading leadership. The cloud talks. You tell me. I go tell the people. The cloud says this. This is what the Lord wants us to do. And Moses probably gets to the point of saying, like, I want a time frame. Like, what's going on here? We are in nowhere land. Have you ever been lost? Or you feel like you're just running late? Or you feel there's no sense of direction? What's going on here? There, that, that's probably what Moses is feeling like. He's being told that when he asks questions, he says, all you do is you know me by name, you've found favor with me. When he wants reassurance, God says, hey, Moses, you know me by name. My name is I Am. It's Yahweh. I am who I am. That's my name. I have found fa- You have found favor with me. And Moses saying, I want more. God, come on. All you're telling me is I am and I found favor? What a great request. God's preaching to Moses. This is a one-on-one sermon. He says, what do you need to know, Moses? You need to know my name. I am God. And not only that, because of your love, because of your obedience, because of your a desire, your longing. You have found favor with me, Moses. Verse 13. Now indeed, if I have found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you, so that I will found favor with you. Now look at that. Moses is asking, God, teach me. Who teaches you? Does the TV teach you? Does the news, this media, the social media, who's your teacher? Moses is asking God, teach me your ways. Of all the things you could ask of God, he's not asking for a million dollars. He's not asking for a big house. I want healing from cancer. He said, Lord, just teach me your ways. Lord, I want you. I want to make sure I have found favor. Lord, I don't understand you, but you teach me what you want me to do. Now consider that this nation is your people. Moses, I think, is probably saying this with somewhat of uncertainty. He says, if you want me to lead this people, I'm not qualified. Lord, just teach me your ways. These people over here, I really don't even like them. They're your people. I mean, they, they might listen, might not listen. I have no idea. I didn't even sign up for this job. You called me out of a bush. I had to take off my shoes back in Exodus chapter 3. But God has raised up this man 
and has brought him through the Red Sea to redeem these people out of Egyptian slavery. And now he's wanting, at this point, he has not experienced this. This is such an aha moment that's about to occur. Moses has never seen God. In fact, nobody's ever seen God until this part of the Bible. I take that back. Adam and Eve saw God. They met with Him in the Garden of Eden. But since the fall of man, nobody has seen God. After Eden. And Moses, is a, something is about to happen. Here we go. Follow along your Bibles. And he replied, this is God speaking in verse 14. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. You ever since God's given you this indirect answer? It's like, I want to learn your ways. I want to know what's going on. I want the, I want the plan. And God's saying, oh, I'm with you. Well, I'll even give you rest. Do you want some rest? Are you tired? He sensed Moses' just weariness. He knew the difficulty of daily leading, daily serving. I tell you, it's easy to just go along with the flow. It's a challenge to follow Christ because you're going against the current. Where Lexington and our city lead is not where Jesus wants us to go. There's one direction, and then there's a, a lifestyle of following the Lord. And there's polar opposites. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that if I and your people have found favor with you, unless you go with us. I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the other people on the face of the earth. Moses is asking God. Because what, what's occurring here? Moses knows they're headed to the promised land. But they're going to wonder. He doesn't realize how long they're about to wander around the desert before they get there. He thinks they're just marching on up to the promised land. That's where they're headed. And he wants to make sure that he has the presence of the Lord, this cloud going before him. Because he's worried. He knows the Canaanites. He knows the Philistines. He knows there's peoples already there. And if you're about to just walk up and go, here's our land, we're, about to, we're, we're here, that means war. Moses is concerned that they're going to get to the promised land and meet resistance, and it's, it's over. He's looking for that reassurance, just like we look for it. Lord answered Moses, verse 17, I will do this very thing you've asked, and have found favor with me, and I know you by name. So the very thing he asked there was, you go with me, Lord. Lord, I, I want you, you stick with the cloud. I need the cloud. I need you to make sure you're with me as we do this. And God says, okay, I know you, but you know my name. You, you know I'm Yahweh, I'm, I'm the Lord. But then that's not all what Moses requests here. Here's the request. Verse 18, then Moses says, please let me see your glory. God, I want to see you. Lord, who are you? Let me ask that question again. Lord, who, who are you? God, what are we doing? I want to see God. The presence of the Lord, not just the cloud, 
says, I want to actually see who you are. You're talking to me through a cloud, but I know there's someone, there's something behind the cloud. Because I'm being shielded from who you are. God said in verse 19, He says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. You know, that's a sermon right there. God is actually preaching and teaching Moses. If God was standing here preaching a sermon, He would preach about the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is literally power in the name of Jesus. People are saved by crying and calling out to Christ alone. To Jesus. That's His sermon. You've come here tonight and God is saying, My name has power. All the other words you cry out and call out and speak of have no power, but my name. There's strength, there's power, something about the name of Jesus. And he says, I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I mean, God is saying there in verse 19, saying, Moses, this, this stuff isn't conditional. I am my sovereignty. If I want to be compassionate towards you, if I want to be gracious towards them, if I want my name known, I am the Lord. Who are you to tell me what I can and can't do? But he's, he's saying, my message is proclaiming the name of the Lord. That's the glory of the Lord, the name of the Lord. Listen, if there are folks here in Southeast Asia, in our video we watched, that do not know who Jesus is, that are not calling on the name of the Lord, that means we have a problem. There are people on earth who do not know the Lord. And then God puts the ball, just like in Esther this morning, He puts the ball in our court and says, what are you going to do about it? One of the most easiest things, it's not easy, it's actually work. The most important things you can do is pray people to Christ. Do you, do you want to see someone saved at our next Sunday night service? December 5th, we're going to have a worship service right here at 6 o'clock. We're going to have an invitation. I'm going to preach out of the book of Exodus. I want to tell you something. If you pray this week, everybody here makes a commitment to pray for someone to get saved. Do you know, we are the busiest intersection in the whole state right here. This church, this location, thousands and thousands of cars. That's what the policeman during revival told us. We were standing there. He says, this is the busiest intersection in the whole state. We all know that. It takes 30 minutes to drive a Kroger across the street. You're just stuck all the time, especially when the road construction is going on. You want to see someone saved? You make a commitment this week just to pray. God, bring a lost person. Drive him by this church. And he can do it. Let him pull in. They'll see the light zone. It'll be dark outside. This place will be lit up. And the Lord will speak to them in the car. They'll pull in this place right here. Come and sit in this pew right there and give their life to Jesus. You pray by the name of Jesus and He hears and answers that prayer. So how do you know He'll do it? It says right here, My name is goodness. My name is gracious. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. This is why if you go to a church service and they are not proclaiming Jesus, they're telling you about how to be a good citizen, how to be a good co-worker, how to 
be a good family man, whatever that is. That's not worship. Worship is about the Lord, the name of Jesus. He's saying here, your commitment tonight, you pray someone to Christ next week. There's no reason next week. At 8.45, 11.15, and it's 6 o'clock. Next Sunday services, all three of them, even in Sunday school, 10 o'clock, folks can get saved in Sunday school. If someone should come and accept Jesus as their Savior. It'd be Christmas time, people will be thinking about the nativity, about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. They'll come here and they'll learn about the Lord. We pray people to Christ. That is talking to the Lord. Moses is begging for God. He's begging to see a glory. We have the same attitude. Or we should have the same attitude. Verse 20. But he added, this is God speaking. But he added, uh-uh, you can't see my face. You can't do it. For humans, or some of your Bibles say, for man cannot see me and live. You cannot see the face of God. So we know when the Bible and the Psalms and the Proverbs talks about the face of God, they're not literally talking about a man seeing the face of God because you can't see the face of God because you die if you see the face of God. We are different than the Lord. He is perfect. He has no sin. He's never done anything wrong. And if we were to see Him, we would immediately fall down and die. The Lord said, Here's a place near me. I always love the Lord. When you make a request, He can't do the answer you want, but He'll give you a provisional answer. And look at the Lord, how He's taking the initiative. He knows Moses is crying out for more. He's crying out to see God. He's crying out and says, God, just show me your glory. I want to see you. And He says, you can't see my face, Moses lives. So, but let's, make, let's make an accommodation. We'll, make a, we'll take care of you here. There's this place over here. There's a crevice. God knows of some rocks. And I'm going to put you in these rocks, He says. Here's a place. You're to stand on the rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. So, apparently, He's going to lead Moses to this rock, rock quarry over here. And there's apparently a little crack. And then Moses is going to walk by. Somehow he's going to do this. He's going to block, using his hand, block the rock. And then he's going to pass by. And then as he passes by, apparently, his face is not going to be looking away. He's going to lift up his hand. And Moses is going to see the back of the Lord. That's all you get. You don't get the face. You don't get the front. It's like if you're going online, you're looking to date someone. And all you can see is their back. So where's their face? What does this person look like? God said, no, you can't see my face. Not going to take any pictures. God doesn't upload pictures on Instagram of himself. He's saying, you only get my back. And he says, and the glory passes by. I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. But then I'll take away my hand and you will see my back. But my face will not be seen. You look at God's face, you die. Do you long to see God's glory, God's face? Or, or folks, have you seen enough? Are you content with where we're at? Where you're at? Every service, we should expect people to get saved. 
we want to be the outskirt country church. Right there outside the city. That is experiencing John the Baptist preaching. That folks are praying. That people are responding to the Lord. The human cry of all of us here is more of God. Moses wanted to see God. And he couldn't do it. Flip over in your Bible. I want to share some New Testament Scripture here about this. Because this is picked up by, by Paul. 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 13 through 16. We're going to read these four verses here. 1 Timothy 6, 13 through 16. We, we receive a charge here about, about the Lord. A charge, if you remember, uh, not too long ago, we ordained Innocent Ketty. By the way, Innocent tested positive for COVID, so you need to add him to your prayer list here in our church. He normally sits right there at this service. If you remember, when we ordained him about two months ago, he sat right here, and we prayed over him, and I gave him what we call a charge, and that's what we're going to see. But the charge we receive, it, it gives a description about God. When we get a charge, a charge is our marching orders. A charge is a command. But in many ways, what we think about charge, we think about something we need to go do. I'm going to go teach Sunday school. I'm going to go invite someone to church. I'm going to go do something for Jesus. But the charge that we see in the Scripture is actually to know God. God is charging you and I for a longing and desire for Him. Verse 13, it says, in the presence of God. Notice that. We're doing this in the presence of God. God, who gives life to all. All life comes from God. And of Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate. I charge you. Meaning, this is what's most important. The presence of Christ and the presence of God. I'm telling you this command. To keep this command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means, folks, we don't throw in the towel. We don't give up going to church or Sunday school. We don't get too tired. Do you get too tired serving the Lord? What else is there to do to serve the Lord? Worship Him. Literally, it's nothing. Moses just told us that. The man did it all. There is nothing better for you to be doing than right now worshiping the Lord. Nothing better. Absolutely. You cannot compete with God. You can't name one single thing. God is telling us. Paul's giving a charge. He says, you do not quit until Jesus Christ returns. God, look at this. God will bring about this in His own time. He is the blessed and the only sovereign. Look at these descriptions. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's who God is. When you talk about this, the only way we can describe Him. Who alone is immortal. Meaning He never dies. He is the same God of, during the time of Moses and during the time of Paul when He wrote this. And who lives, look at this, in an unapproachable light. We do not just walk up to God. We don't talk casually about Him. We don't use the Lord's name in vain. It's wrong. It's He's unapproachable that way. He is a perfect, holy God. When Isaiah 
saw the Lord, he cried out, Holy, holy, holy. Lord, what else do I say? Holy is perfection. What other word do I describe the Lord? Who he alone is immortal and who lives in unprochable love, whom no one else has seen or can see. Paul is saying, you, you can't see this. You will not see God. You see all the work of the Lord around you. You experience the peace of God. You experience the saving power of God. You experience the glory of God, but you yourself will not see God. He does not appear to you at night and starts talking to you. To Him be honor and eternal power. Amen. Felt needs. Felt needs is how you feel. Do you know felt needs are never met? They're never met. And the reason why is they're always returning. That need, that desire, that longing for love, the longing for fulfillment, it keeps coming back because there's an emptiness. The Bible is telling us the Sovereign Lord, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who alone is the, our God, who we can't see, He meets our needs. You know, whenever you give counsel to someone, whenever you're a counselor, you give counsel by pointing them to God. That's the answer of all counseling. You can get medication. Medication can be good. You can get practical self-help. But none of those things make an eternal difference. Saving power of God is the unapproachable light who Moses is longing for to see the glory of God. This evening, I ask you, do you long to see the glory of God? Have you come here, if you come this evening, say, God, I want to see and I want to experience you. Nothing else. Nothing else meet my, will meet my needs. I'll walk away empty. If you came here for any other reason, this will be a letdown. God is saying, just like He preached to Moses, you will know me by my name. The name of the Lord is the sermon He preached to Moses. And, it's, and He says, I am gracious. I am compassionate. My ways are the best ways. And Moses is begging God, Lord, teach me Your ways. That means God guide my steps. I want to know You. We cry out this evening, God, we want to experience Your glory. And God passed by Moses and showed him his back. He only got his back. That's all he could look at. Because he would die in a, in a crevice. And I think in our lives also, God speaks to us in many ways. We don't always see, we don't see the full picture. But we need to look for those crevices in our life. And I tell you, they're all around us. That's opportunities that we can come to God. I mean, you think about it. This worship service. This is our third worship service this Sunday. At two this morning, one tonight. This entire week, other than Wednesday night Bible study, that will be your only time to come to church. There's, just a, there's a small slither in your week. This whole week you've got. But this crevice of stepping into the sanctuary to experience God. Lord, I pray for the folks here tonight. Lord, this prayer is one that You show us Your glory. 
Jesus, there's people here that they came here for whatever reason, but you have spoken to us, spoken to me, saying, do you want more? Well, you need more of me. Nothing else. God, you preach sermons 101. You did it with Moses. Lord, do it with us. Lord, show us your glory. Remove everything else from our life. Lord, so it's all about you. Jesus, I pray if there's anyone, and there are people here that need to experience your glory, they're in the crevice, and they need you to pass by. Lord, I pray you remove that hand so we can see your back. And we are wowed by the unbelievable God, the name of the Lord, as Scripture says. Lord, we call you by name. In the greatest of all names, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to end our service here with an invitation. You're not responding to me. It's not even up to me if you walk down this aisle. You respond to God. He's the audience here of our worship service.